creating healthy habits, what, one of the things it requires of you every day is that you die to self. It requires a lot of faith. You have to believe that in the end, it will be worth it. Welcome to Cultivating the Lovely. I'm your host, Mackenzie Kappa. And around here, we know that life is hard and we gotta do everything we can to just make it a little bit more lovely. So it's my mission to bring you great conversations, practical tools and information, and a healthy dose of community to help make those things happen. If you wanna find out more, you can go to our website at cultivatingthelovely.com, visit our amazing membership community at patreon.com slash cultivatingthelovely, or by connecting with me on Instagram, which is one of my favorite places to interact with all of you. You can find me at Mackenzie Kappa. Thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, ladies, I have such a lovely conversation in store for you today. I have two of the founding members of Cultivating the Lovely, the ladies who helped put together the initial idea all those years ago, literally five years ago. And one of them you've heard from very recently, Katie Duckett, who is also in our Patreon group helping us with the Sourdough Flower Therapy Club, which you can still be a part of if you haven't gotten in on yet. We are having so much fun creating our starters and working up to actually making our sourdough loaves. There's so much great information and people have named their starters so many fun things, which we will talk about in this episode. You're going to want to come and join us at patreon.com slash cultivating the lovely. But I digress. So Katie is on this episode today, along with our good friend, Jenny Wilcox. Now, these ladies are the epitome of lovely, and they do amazing things in their homes and families. But I do want to say right at the beginning of this episode that after we recorded it, they reached out to me and said, we're a little nervous that we've intimidated women, that they will have to think they have to attain to some unreasonable standard. And I want to assure you right now that that is not the intention of this episode. This episode is meant to be inspiring. It's meant to show us some really fun and hopefully relaxing things that you can do, things that are going to nourish your heart and your spirit and your mind. It is not meant to put unnecessary pressure on you. And so as you go into this episode, I really don't think that's what comes across. I think that it is super inspiring. I was inspired after chatting with them and I assured them that I bring a lot of reality to the table to balance things out. But I hope that you can walk away feeling encouraged and maybe inspired to do something fun like take up crocheting or tatting or growing some flowers or making sourdough bread. But it's not meant to feel burdensome. It's meant to be healing and helpful to our hearts. So I would encourage you in this time when we're all feeling a lot of extra stress just all across the board that you not take this that way that you take it inspiring, but not as burdensome. Okay? I think you've all got it. I think it's going to be a great episode, and I personally really loved everything that they had to say during it, but I wanted to make sure that their concerns were voiced to all of you and that you would hear the heart behind this episode because they really are two of the most encouraging, lovely women I have ever met. All right. Without further ado, let's get on with this episode with Jenny Wilcox and Katie Duckett. Okay, I have Katie back again this week, and I have Jenny back again after, it's been a couple years, I think, since I had you on the podcast, Jenny, but I'm so excited to have you guys back because we got started with a great conversation last week on the show talking about flower therapy, both kinds, the F-L-O-U-R and F-L-O-W-E-R, and 
Katie was talking with me this week and like, we really need to bring Jenny back on the show to kind of like flesh out that conversation more, but also talk about something that you two really did kind of together in a difficult period of your life where you both needed like healing and beauty and the things that you did to get through that time and make it better. So I'm just going to kind of turn it over to you, Katie, what you were going to explain to us a minute ago. And I put a firm halt on you. I was like, wait, (laughs) save it for the show. So go back five years for me. Talk to me about that. Well, last week when we were talking, I, I said the term holy habits. And after I said that, I thought this is where we need to bring Jenny in because this is something Jenny and I have thoroughly discussed and put into practice. We found the benefit of considering like working with our hands and letting your life be quiet and still and present in that moment of creating with your hands that Mm -hmm. God really spoke to us there. He really healed things there, whether we saw in the moment, the need for the healing or not, he met us there. Mm -hmm. So that, that term, once I said it, I thought, oh my gosh, we need Jenny because that's not, that's Mm -hmm. not something I'm just pulling out of the air. That's something that we have deeply discussed. So Mm -hmm. I just, I told you that. And I said, I'm even willing to go on the air again, which is not comfortable (laughs) for me. But yeah, and obviously you took me right up on it. Yes, <laughs> so I did. Here we are. <laughs> like I gotta, I gotta catch her before she changes her mind. <laughs> but Jenny, that's why you're here. I yeah. just, I can't, I can't talk about that without you because you're so intrinsically linked. Those mm. things that we discovered together and ways that we, we just sort of have been on this journey together, developing these holy habits. And now I think there's a huge group of women out there who, who need that. This is a time when we all need to be productive with our hands, but also turning to God and letting him fill those spaces. I love that. And with any habit, if you practice it enough, it just becomes a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And oh, I, the things that I've learned, I wouldn't say I've perfected, but five years of practicing something, uh, I'm probably better at it now than I was five years ago. And I've been able to teach my kids about being faithful to something and yeah. the fruit of faithfulness. Consistency. Well, that's what I've, I've talked about a lot is like to be consistent with something, even a simple habit, like Mm -hmm. feeding a sourdough starter or watering a garden. It's the simple stuff. It doesn't require a lot of you, but it requires something every day. And that's part of that healthy habit development. I love that. Well, I love being here with the two of you because like, especially Jenny, I can think of very few other people who are as good at being consistent and disciplined as you are. I mean, it's not, we actually, Shell and I kind of talked about this on one of our Enneagram episodes because it's not artificial. It's not in a legalistic way. It's in this like beautiful, intentional development of character. And like you were saying, lifestyle kind of way that you do that. And that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to have you here in this conversation because that has been apparent to me and you from the day I met you a decade ago. (laughs) It's true. And I think Mm. it's, it's interesting because, um, well, and we kind of were saying this before the show started, like you guys, Katie and Jenny fall into that category of that handful of friends that I have that are just like from the core 
beautiful and lovely and like sweet. And, and then there's me and I bring the pizzazz, but they've got the wisdom <laughs> and the, like that they just like the way they write and the way they speak, you just want to like listen to it as you fall asleep at night. You know, it's like mm. that kind of thing from you guys. But this idea of habits, I even like, it's something that always interests me. And I even just started reading a book um, recently called Mudhouse Sabbath. And it's by this woman who used to be an Orthodox Jew, and then she got saved. And how she looked at Christianity through this lens of, well, I'm not Jewish anymore, but I can see the value in some of these habits, for lack of a better word, that pointed her back to God and made her more thoughtful in the way that she lived her life and how Christians could benefit from having more of those things in their life where like you were saying Katie you kind of like have to pause have to be contemplative when you're doing that is that what I'm hearing from you or am I making that up I think so I think these habits are grounding and um Mm -hmm. if I could speak for Jenny too and Jenny correct me (laughs) I'm wrong but (laughs) I really think a lot of what where we've come the last five years so much of it has been through pain that mm-hmm, these habits mm-hmm. were grounding in pain instead of becoming jaded or cynical or a lot of other options that are before mm-hmm. you when you're hurting these grounding habits produce something where it gave God access to our heart mm-hmm. it was a vulnerability in just being consistent and just showing up and doing the work um, of taking care of something that he's given us to take care of um, What's that verse about um, guard that which which has been entrusted to you? Mm -hmm. Like these are things that were entrusted to our care. And so we took care of them. And as we took care of them, he met us. So a lot of what Mackenzie, what you're calling wisdom, I think just has come from like that close time with the Lord and being vulnerable to be shaped by him and be healed by him. And that's what I want to offer is just whatever you're going through. And right now is a hard time in our country or the world. The world. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that, that doesn't have to be a place you stop. That's where you press in. That's where you mm-hmm. dig deeper and you develop mm-hmm. some things maybe you haven't thought you had time for before um, because we have time. We now literally have time. You well, do. some of us do. Yeah. <laughs> <Think> for yourself. <laughs> and creating healthy habits, what, one of the things it requires of you every day is that you die to self. You start mm-hmm to say yes and do something that you don't want to do because it's uncomfortable at first because you don't know what the results are going to be. So it's really tempting not to feed your sourdough Mm -hmm. because you haven't had the excitement of producing a beautiful loaf of bread yet, but you stick with it. Um, It it requires a lot of faith. You have to believe that in the end it will be worth it. So Mm -hmm. in the beginning you have to die to self. You have to put aside what you want to do, knowing that in the end, there will be something beautiful. And what I love about Jesus, our example in Hebrews, he could endure the cross and despise the shame because of the joy that was set before him. Mm -hmm. So he could see past the pain, the suffering, the sacrifice, uh, because there was joy on the other side. And when we go to feed sourdough, uh, plant seeds, weeding, weeding is not fun. Disciplining children, all of these things require that you do something you don't want to do. It requires pain, suffering, sacrifice. 
but Jesus is our example. Um, there's joy on the other side of that. So it's just such a beautiful gift that God gives you if you are faithful in the little things and endure and build these habits because you will bear fruit. And we, Katie and I, we have seen that. And mm -hmm. just looking back, I would love to tell everybody, just do it. Just stick with it. You will be blessed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And your family will be blessed and other people around you will be blessed. And mm -hmm. that's not a glorifying of us or of, of what we've learned to do. That is really just a submission to what God put in our hands mm -hmm. and being faithful to tend it. Yes. And I would even steer a different direction with this, uh, not even focusing on, oh, I'm going to get something out of this. But, mm. you know, when you're hurting or your children are hurting and you know how to make them feel better. You know you can hug them, give them a popsicle, read them a story. Uh, God is a good parent too, and he knows how to heal our broken hearts. So I would say that I never really set out to create, oh, I think I'm going to start crafting because that will make me feel better. That will heal my heart. Mm. I was kind of lured into this, that God knew this would heal me. And mm. so like a good parent, he put these opportunities right in my path. Sourdough, Katie and I talked about it one day. My husband and I had been discussing it for a while and I just hadn't ordered the starter. Uh, but when she said it, it, it put everything in motion. Tatting, I learned how to tat, which is make, making lace edging. A friend of mine said, I'm gonna have some people over at my house on Saturday afternoon. If you wanna learn to tat, come over. I learned, I love it, I still do it. So these were things that were kind of thrown at me. I didn't choose them. And one of the things that was so healing, you, you go to God's word to learn more about him. But what I realized, the very, very first verse in the Bible, this is going to make me cry. <laughs> the very mm -hmm. first verse in the Bible is, in the beginning, God created. Mm -hmm. the, the first thing he reveals about himself to us is that he's a creator. And later in that chapter, in verse 27, he says that he made us in his image. So when I say I was kind of lured into this beauty, I love beauty. I'm attracted to it. And so when God put these things in front of me, you can create this. You can create this loaf of bread. You can create lace doilies. You can have a flower garden. These things drew me in because he knew it would heal my heart. And I have become, I've come to know God as a creator and I'm reflecting his image as I create. And you know, the fact that God creates means that he's powerful. But the mm -hmm. fact that he creates beauty means that he cares. Mm -hmm. And I need a God who cares for me. Not just that he's powerful and he can do anything in my life, but I need to see the beauty. I need to see that he cares for my soul, that he cares for my family with this pandemic, that we won't be hungry. We, mm -hmm. we won't lack for anything because he cares. So what I've seen walking through this for the last five years, learning about God, my creator, and how he creates, not just what he creates, but how it, it's really helped me. It's bolstered me, I guess, just to know that that's my God. I didn't know that God five years ago. I know him now. And I don't have to worry about the future because God, the creator, loves me. And that's what he revealed 
in my, to me and I am reflecting him. I've made in this image. I'm reflecting him right now every time I, I make bread for my family. And it's just, it's so rewarding in so many ways. I'm sorry if I'm talking too much. It, this is a podcast. And so what I'm going to need you to do is talk a lot. Okay. <laughs> and then, like I said, I knew it would be, you guys, it's profound and beautiful. And like, I feel like we could wrap it up right here. And now everybody is like feeling filled up, but we've got a long way to go. And I love that because there's so much that you just packed into that little space of time, you know, yeah. like when you were just saying about the beginning of what you were saying about being faithful with stuff. And then you took it to Jesus. And my thought was, well, I got up out of bed at almost one in the morning last night when I remembered I hadn't fed my starter. (laughs) (laughs) I managed to do that. And a lot of it while I was sitting there was like, well, I have people following me that are also doing this. And (laughs) Katie, yes, it is. And it was like, well, could I fudge it and like do it in the morning or like I could maybe do it, but that's not what I want from this. I Mm. want to be developing that discipline and nurturing something and doing with it what I'm supposed to Mm. do. Mm -hmm. So even Mm -hmm. if I was a few hours late, it was better than being 12 or 13 hours late. Like there was something that drove me out of bed to be like, no, I have to do it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm really proud of you. I mean, thank you. The developing of habits is uncomfortable. It is not easy. It's why people don't do it. And so that rub of mm-hmm. does it really matter? Do I really have to? Isn't it okay if I just wait? Yeah, I mean, sure. There's grace for that, but it only hurts you. Like it's mm-hmm. you who needs that discomfort. It's you who has to move your body when you just kind of don't want to. Right, right. Um, you know, but to force yourself to do it anyway. That's the hard work. And you did it. You did it last night. Did it feel like having a newborn baby waking in the night <laughs> to feed it? Yeah. Well, that's if what I was, it is. If I was waking, I was still up, which is also another problem. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it was like, oh, I have this thing I'm responsible for. My kids aren't even here, but I'm having to get up and take care of something yeah. in the middle of the yes. night. Yeah. And uh-huh. for them, ultimately, for yes. the bread that you will make for them, ultimately, yeah. like yeah. you're sacrificing now for that. Yeah. Yes. Ladies, I want to take just a minute to talk to you about Grove Collaborative for a few different reasons, actually. Because first of all, it's really important right now for us all to be able to shop for as many products as possible from our homes and have them delivered straight to our door, which is exactly what Grove does. They've got body care products, natural home cleaning products, a ton of brands plus their own that I know and love and use every single day. But they also are an amazing company to help you get rid of single-use plastic products in your home. And we need sustainable products even more right now when we're all stuck from home and we're making less money and we can't be going out and buying new things all the time. Plus, it's better for our planet, which we're all seeing is really necessary at this point. Here at Cultivating the Lovely, I love Grove Collaborative. I've been using them for over a year now. I am a subscribing, paying member, and I love their products. I love the ones that I buy from them, like their little dish scrubber brush and my dish gloves. I love the Mrs. Myers products that I order through them. We get our Hello Toothpaste and my High Bar Shampoo. So many different things from Grove. They keep me totally stocked in the areas of home cleaning and our personal care products. But they have also been helping us reduce our dependence on single-use plastics. Just recently, I got 
Grove Sustainable Swap Set, and I have absolutely loved it. It's the best and easiest way to get started reducing plastics waste in your home. It has bamboo straws, reusable and washable sandwich bags, a refillable hand soap dispenser, gel hand soap, and a walnut scrubber sponge set. And for a limited time, our listeners get all of this for free with your first purchase. With fast and free shipping on your first order, going sustainable has never been easier. So join me and over 2 million households who shop at Grove for their healthy, sustainable home essentials. Make your home more sustainable this year. Now, for a limited time, when my listeners go to grove.co slash lovely, you'll get the free five-piece set from Grove so you can easily swap out plastics. Plus, you get free shipping and a free 60-day VIP trial. Go to grove.co slash lovely to get this exclusive sustainable swaps offer. grove.co slash lovely. And I think it also, though, like this whole even topic about habits and being diligent with something, I think is a little bit of why, I mean, I know homeschool moms, they they keep telling me nothing has changed in my life. Okay, yeah, I get it. (laughs) But for (laughs) people who did have things, even if you're a homeschool mom and your kids were involved in activities out of the house or, you know, like things have changed for everyone. We're not going shopping as much. We're not doing things. And, and I think there has been a loss of habit and consistency in this time Mm. because we're not getting up and taking our kids to school. And like, I, even though I work from home, I had time posts in my day. I was up at a certain time. I was getting ready. I did certain things at a certain time. And now having everyone just home, a lot of that structure, a lot of that habit and routine has come apart at the seams. And I think even just that is something that everyone is feeling a collective anxiety from because we Mm. don't have that rhythm anymore that we were used to. And we have it on a small scale usually when we go into summer, but when we go into summer, we're not also responsible for our children's education at the same time. Right, right. And so I think that's almost why this conversation is even more important right now, because by putting these little things in our lives that we are forced to be consistent with again, it starts bringing back some of that rhythm and some of that structure that can help us to not feel as undone and as anxiety ridden. Mm-hmm. I think that's so true. And I, I, Jenny and I have talked about this. I mean, because we are homeschoolers, mm-hmm. there's still a lot to grieve and there's still yeah. a lot of both our husbands are in the medical profession. There's yeah. a lot of fear. There's a lot of all sorts of feelings that we're not used to feeling. And what both right. of us have we're both turning back to those holy habits that we put into practice that safeguard us really when you're, when you're acting in that way and you are attending and you do give yourself that structure, whether you like it or not, whether it's uncomfortable again or not, you just do it because you know the payoff. You know that you will feel better if you are practicing these habits. Yeah. And for me, a lot of those habits that I've been trying to put into place have been very health focused, which was something I was starting to do before even the quarantine came into place, just like recovering from my divorce and the trauma and the even still recovering from the PTSD of the marriage and all of that, like trying to detox my system from that and put things in place where I could feel like a healthy person. Right, right. 
And I think these are also those things where they might not be like directly tied to our health, but there are those things that help us with our mental health, which is one of the biggest things I think is on the line right now for our society collectively. My husband works at a, a county jail. He's a physician assistant there. And I would say he would, maybe he would say, not I would say, I don't work there, but 80% of the population has mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And the mental health does affect physical health, blood yeah. pressure, tension, body aches and pains from stress. Mm-hmm. So they are very closely linked. And Mackenzie, as you were talking about the habits and going through the stress, I was, I had this picture in my mind of the habits being pegs on a wall. Mm. When you walk in the door, you know, people throw their coats everywhere and you really want your kids to hang things up, backpacks, coats. But if you walk into a room or an entryway and you would just see chaos, kids just throwing things everywhere. But the habits are like the pegs on the wall where everybody puts things in their place. And then you have order. Then you can walk. We can walk out our daily lives. There's not a lot of chaos. People can relax better in a room that's picked up. So Mm -hmm. as you were talking, I was thinking of these habits being pegs. I love that. Isn't there an Elizabeth Elliot reference to that, Jenny, or something about the pegs? That just really rings a bell. In her book, Let Me Be a Woman, which she wrote for her daughter before she got married, she, I think she said that the doctrines, when they go to church, she's Presbyterian, and they would recite a creed, and each of those doctrines was like a peg to hang her soul on. Every week when they would talk and say, I believe this, I believe this, there, there's no, oh, but I think this. No, it, the Bible says this. And she could hang her soul on those pegs. And she needed to do it every week with God's people. And she got her bearings each week to face the trials of the week. And then she needed it again on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. find our bearings when we can hang our souls <laughs> on things. And I think the habits do that. I love that. It reminds me of like the security that comes within boundary lines. You know, everybody kind yes. of it's so glamorous to rebel outside those lines. But what that really gives you is more freedom than you can possibly handle. Mm -hmm. But if you stay within God's boundaries for you, there is so much more freedom. And these habits kind of produce that. They give you like, you can do whatever you want today, but don't forget to feed the starter. Don't forget to weed your garden. Don't forget Mm -hmm. to hug your children. Like Mm -hmm. those things are in place to give us freedom within it. We can express ourselves in whatever way we want. And Jenny, you know, like during these these habits we've developed with tatting or with sourdough or with flour, they're they're so personalized to Mm -hmm. expression and to who you are. And you can show yourself in ways you didn't even realize. Like when you produce a beautiful artisan loaf of bread, unique to you that you created, there is such a feeling of a proper pride, you know, like I did this, I made this and it's going to nourish my family. There's something that just fills you up as, as we submit to those boundaries. The boundary would be the recipe. I'm going to follow this recipe, but I can put my own flair on it. I take at the end where you, you slice the top. I can make any pattern I want. I have freedom to make it beautiful, but I still have to follow a recipe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think almost in some ways like sourdough versus regular bread that you can whip up whenever if you've got yeast has another element of that because it has required the discipline to keep your starter healthy and be feeding it. And 
there, there's a bigger payoff to that because more work has gone into it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Even the loaf itself, you don't mix it up and bake it. It has to ferment for 12 plus hours. It's slow. Mm -hmm. There's something so refreshing in this busy day and age to have something slow. I, mm -hmm. I have found that to be so true. The, the waiting, as difficult and uncomfortable as it is, it produces something that speed cannot. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I tend to be that person who likes to just get there. <laughs> like, let's let's get away do away with all the the little steps that don't really matter and let's just get there. It's like I graduated high school a year early because I was like, well, I can just do two extra classes, have enough credits, be done, move on with my life. You know, I was very much that person. And the last few years have given me no choice but to oh. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that was so hard. And it's, I'm still like, some things are done, thank the Lord. But there are still other things. It's like, I feel like I'm in this waiting and unknown. And when you have, when you're forced to sit in that place, you have to be reliant on God and his timing because yeah. you know, at such a core level, after having paid the prices for rushing things, like it's not worth it. Right. It's yeah. so hard to sit in that waiting period, but the rushing is never as gratifying as the waiting it out. That's so true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even so, in planting seeds yeah. in the ground, you wait, you can't do anything about it once you yeah. put it in the ground. But you still have the responsibility to put it in the ground. Like it's not going to water do weed. anything if you don't mm -hmm. do your job. And the busyness, yeah. I think, or the, the rushing, it can just cover the deeper feelings that, you know, I think it allows us to not dwell on some of those things. I think mm. that's why people want that faster pace or it's, you know, but there's something that happens in just choosing to allow it to be slow, choosing to allow the process to shape you and change you and seeing what comes, what bubbles to the surface. You know, it's not going to be things that are pretty. It's, it's like building our starters right now. What we're gathering, the bacteria, it stinks. <laughs> it's yeah, not pleasant. Yeah. It makes mm -hmm. me gag when I open it up. I'm like, oh, but that's because the balance is completely wrong. It has not yeah, matured. Right. You take what you've cultivated, you consistently discard feed, and then you produce something mature. And when it's mature, it smells good. It smells it smells yeasty and it, it's ready to be baked yeah. with and to create. But you can't take what you originally grabbed just from the air, whatever it was, and expect that to produce something beautiful. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. Uh, Mackenzie, remember you told us that you wanted us to write a book on sourdough? We've learned so much. We have. I know. <laughs> Katie needs to start it. <laughs> I know. Well, and she's already oh. like leading this class, this club for patrons. We have a flower therapy club and it has been so interesting as people have posted their different pictures of what their sourdough starters are doing. And oh. It's it's been really interesting to see they they have been different, drastically different. Yeah. Altitude came into play, and I took that for granted. I mm, had to really yeah. quickly do some research. Like, oh my goodness, it's been so fun. People have been so patient with me, but it's been so fun to see like what we're harvesting in our homes right now. Yeah, you know, like mm -hmm. just some of it is it's just a crazy collection period, and I think that's it's significant. That's, yeah. it's just a really interesting experiment. 
Well, and it's been fun to see just the creativity of everyone to the names that people have come <laughs> up with for their starters. I mean, some really like fun ones that are like punny, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, what was Dobie Wan Kenobi? Kenobi. Yeah. And <laughs> Jenny, are, you'd love it. There are a couple I other love... ones. One of them, like her sons realized that when they put the paper towel on top, he looked like, like a shepherd and they named him Joseph because he looks like, like, and they drew a <laughs> smiley face on him. And like, I just finally decided on my yes. name today and it's nothing creative, but for some reason it just like stuck with me. And so my starter is officially named Diane Keaton because <laughs> she's a, a little odd, you know, she's quirky, she's individual. And so that was my eclectic little starter. I yep. it, and I, I figured, you know, Diane Keaton would be fun to hang out with in quarantine. So yeah. 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 She, Katie, what's she, yours? Uh, well, my original one, I think was Flora. Do you remember your original name, Jenny? Mine was Katarina from yes, yes. Painting of the Shrew because yes. she's bubbly and feisty but in the end she submits and that's what I needed her to do <laughs> oh I love it I love it yes so fun. did you uh, name a new one Katie I did this one I've been I've been just referring to her as Pearl and I don't know ah. why other than she's <gasps> she's very she's very white because I have a lot of but that's not drastically clever in any way that's just you know we have some really great names yeah I've been so I've laughed out loud at so many of them like (laughs) yeah speaking of of white um I can't find any more unbleached flower down here so I have switched to the bleached flower which you're not really supposed to use it's it doesn't really give good flavor but I, that's what I have right now because that's all we can find in the store. So I'm experimenting again with mine five years later, and I'm noticing some differences in taste and texture because yes, I switched to I all white flour. Rise. I bet your rise is different because there's less protein in the all-purpose. Yep. Right? So you would have yep. flatter, dense, not even denser because the texture would probably be less dense. It's Yeah, it's not dense, but when I when I feed the starter and stir it, there are little globs in there that weren't there with the unbleached flour. So mm. I'm going to try to find some rye. I really want to find some rye yeah. um, and add, because I want a little more tanginess too. Mm. I've heard not... good things about spelt too. If you're able to oh. access spelt, I've heard that's a good thing to mix with the all-purpose, the bleach to give it structure. Okay. I think it'd be easy to find these because people who are in a panic right now, yeah. I don't think they're running out to buy spelt right. yeah. and rye. Right. Yeah. So there's not a rush on Amazon. I know paper and yeah, but not spelt. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was like I really felt like I was getting all homemakerly again because I had not broken out my grain mill in years. Not definitely not since I left. Oh. And I still had some whole wheat berries and so I like I milled my own wheat and yeah combined it with the stuff I got from Costco the unbleached you know white so I had both of them but that was like whoo harken back I love it how old was it the wheat berries yeah uh I mean they're five or six years old but they were in like a sealed container that had the thing that removes moisture from Mm -hmm. there so they were still like in good shape and yeah it was it's it's been a process for sure. It's been interesting kind of like stepping back into 
doing things like that again that feel like homemakery, but yep, but on my terms. <laughs> Would you say that temperature is pretty personal? I sure would. I know that I run totally a different temperature than my kids and my parents and the people who are around me, and it can be hard to get comfortable sometimes when everybody has a different idea of what temperature is perfect. Or one place that I always have a hard time getting to the right temperature is actually in my recording studio. In the summer, it's really hot, and in the winter, it's pretty cold, and so I love being able to use Ember Wave to help me maintain a comfortable temperature for myself. Because I need to be productive, and not feeling thermally comfortable can contribute to lost productivity, increased stress levels, and can be mentally exhausting, and none of us need any more of that right now. Ember Wave is there when you need relief the most. Ember Wave is a handy little bracelet you wear on the inside of your wrist, and all you do is press to activate Ember Wave to create a cool or warm sensation on your wrist. This sensation works with your body and mind to make you feel more comfortable in a matter of minutes. It's based on the science of how your mind and body respond to temperature sensations. Ember Wave can help provide you comfort in unpredictable climates, help you have some relief from stress, and support your sleep. Because at the end of a long day, Ember Wave even has a fall asleep mode that can help you maintain a comfortable temperature as you drift off to sleep. Ember Wave was invented by three MIT scientists and has been featured on Good Morning America and was named one of Time Magazine's best inventions of 2018. And best of all, you can get $50 off your order to help you get this temperature-helping technology right away. Go to emberwave.com lovely. Again, that's emberwave.com lovely to receive $50 off your order. So my husband went to Costco a couple days ago, and he just went. And when he got home, he had boxes of stuff. And I felt like Ma Ingalls. <laughs> I kept pulling stuff out of the box. I pulled, I went, oh, butter. And I wanted to say, Charles, thank you. But like, his name is Phil. I mean, Phil, not Charles. And he was Pa. And I, bacon, oh. butter. And I was just thrilled about everything that he found. All the, what did they use? They used to call them sundries. Oh <laughs> sundries. my goodness. <laughs> Next, he's going to be walking with bolts of fabric, and Jenny's yeah. going to fashion our, our spring and summer wardrobe, everyone. The calicos. Yes, yes. yes. Oh, oh. I, I'm feeling it. It, it really yeah. felt like that. What did yeah. Pa bring back from town? <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Okay, I do want to, I want to go back though, because you kind of mentioned, you know, Jenny, like you had a friend who invited you over to learn how to tat and Katie had mentioned the sourdough and that you had been thinking about it. And so that kind of like pushed you forward, but where did you guys get your sourdough starter? What made you decide? I love tatting, Katie. How did you learn how to tat? Like, and then how did these like weave their way into your life? Oh, Jenny, I feel like we're going to, we're going to come across as little old ladies, you know, with our lace making. (laughs) I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree. We have to tell them about the homeschool conference. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So do the the sourdough first. Okay. Well, I, I, I don't even remember how it came about. I think maybe you remember the Parisian bakery in San Francisco and had Mm -hmm. a connection to it. And we realized we could get a start from there. Is that what happened? Yeah, they sold the Parisian bakery closed. I don't really remember, maybe 1995. 
and that I grew up in San Francisco. That was the bakery we used to buy bread from. So the starter was, was it 1851? Yeah. Is that it how was, old it is? Or even yeah. older. Yeah. It, it's old. Yeah. So the, the bread that I ate as a child was from that starter. And when I found out I could have, I could buy a tablespoon of that dehydrated starter from the bakery that closed, um, we kind of jumped on it and we just rehydrated it. So that's where how we got it. How did you get it from the bakery if it was closed? Some guy on Etsy. <laughs> yeah. He, he bought a whole bunch and then was selling it. Yeah. Wow. And it was not expensive. Wasn't it like a dollar something for the start and then shipping, which was like yeah. 50 cents? <laughs> well, you just buy a tablespoon of crumbs. Mm-hmm. And I love that my children are eating bread from the same starter that I ate bread from as a little girl in San Francisco. To me, that's, that's, that's this really crazy connection. Yeah. That's so cool. I know. Yeah. And the, the, this guy, he sent us some rehydrating instructions and we just followed them. But then really to figure out how to make a loaf from that, Jenny and I had to like go to chemistry lab. Like we had to do so many trials and figuring out Oh, remember all the math? Like, oh, so, my so, notebook is crazy. Yeah. Okay. So you did have, you kept notes, you kept a sourdough journal just like Katie did. Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes. it's just, it, it looks like it's a mess. I kept crossing things out. I was trying to find the perfect proportion of water to flour. And I would every day, if I didn't like how a loaf turned out, I would take out about two or three grams of water until I got to a point where I liked it. And then my, my happy hydration level was 73%, but I had to bake several loaves to get to that point. And Spokane is high desert and San Francisco where this guy was in the Bay area, it completely different climate. So we really had to develop our own recipe. We had to work. And once we would get it, once we'd really get it where we both were pretty pleased, because the goal is high hydration. You want that loaf to be as saturated with water as possible. You just don't want to go over the edge where you lose your rise. So that, that was what we played around with is getting as much water as possible, still getting a beautiful rise in those big air bubble pockets inside where the gluten strands have stretched. So we would finally get something where we like it. And then the season would change. So it's completely different in every season because yep. of the humidity in the air and on rainy days it would shift and we barometric had to learn pressure. a lot. Yeah. We had to check barometric pressure because of the, the storm systems coming through. And that was a challenge too, because you could think, oh, my winter loaves are great. I have this number down. I'm going to put 308 grams of water to 420 grams of flour. And then there's a storm. And you, if you didn't check the night before, you had a flat loaf. Hmm. So anyway, That's I sound crazy. like a bread nerd. You know, oh no, sounds no, so not yet. Not yet. <laughs> now, now let's reveal Jenny. Not only are you a bread nerd, you're a bread adulteress because you brought your sourdough starter to bed with you. I did. Uh, <laughs> because she wasn't rising. It, it was so cold in my house. I, I sent a picture to Mackenzie one morning. I had her just right there in my lap, covered under a blanket. Yep. <laughs> Jenny, warm. you are so dedicated. <laughs> I am. Yes. I sleep yes. with her. <laughs> Katie, have you slept with your starter? No, but I've cuddled it in the morning. I've cuddled my <laughs> bread loaf to get her to the right temperature. And 
I mean, in the early <laughs> days, that was, you don't want to waste an entire loaf. You know, you don't want to no. be like, oh, it's another flat one for croutons. <laughs> you know? Yes. You How many times help, did we make croutons? So many, so many times. But if you could get that, the, the loaf before baking, if you could get it up to a certain temperature, which we checked with our digital thermometers, um, mm -hmm. if you could get it up, what was it? 78? Yes. 79. If we could get it to that temperature, it was optimal for the, the oven spring and the rise. And so we just yeah. learned all this the hard way and it took cuddling our loaves to get it, you know, where yes. we needed it to, but we did that. And we, I proof mine in my pampered chef glass bowl so I could see the bubbles. I, I, at first I started out with a plastic bowl with a plastic lid, but I had to go to glass because I needed to look and see what the bubble formation was like. From These the side. ladies who signed up for this club had no I idea. I know you guys. <laughs> this is a new way of life. Yeah, like, it is. And Your it sounds will ask questions. But... <laughs> it sounds so technical, but I think also intermingled in this is just such good that was happening in our hearts. Like because oh, yes. we had this thing to focus on and this this very important science to invest ourselves in and figure out there was so much good coming from this so mm -hmm. cuddling with the starter it was a <laughs> precious thing it was like I will do everything I can to make that the best loaf possible because I've poured my heart into this I don't mm -hmm. want it to fall flat you know it's more than just science or you know just something kind of technical and nerdy it really was <laughs> It was something we were very passionate about. And we're not asking anybody else to do that. We've already formulated <laughs> things. You don't have to go to these lengths. <laughs> right, right. And we can't waste ingredients time. now. I mean, this pa can only, go to, pa can only go to town once a month. So we're <laughs> you have to snuggle with your, your, your dough to make it rise. You're not going to throw it out. You have oh. to heat her up. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I never thought this would sound so dirty. But it's a new way of life. It's a new way of life, ladies. Okay, I want to come back to the tatting, though, because this is something for me that I have been feeling kind of this, like, especially being, you know, trapped in my house for long periods of time. And, like, there has been this anxiousness to me that I feel like, I need to get out like my crocheting again, just so I have something keeping my hands busy. I feel like when I do that, like when my kids are nagging me or resisting doing their homeschooling or whatever it is, even just like sitting at night watching a show or whatever, it's like when I have that rhythmic thing almost to do with my hands that doesn't take a ton of thought. It's a lot of muscle memory for me at this point. Yes. It helps yes. to just kind of like bring a settling. Yes. And it, so and let go me back. Just yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to interject that the muscle memory forms because of habit. Yes. That's true. Yes. Yes. Okay. So go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, I want you guys to go back. So Jenny, you went, you learned it, you fell in love like a little old lady and then brought along <laughs> your little old lady friend, Katie, and <laughs> you old both. souls. I just like to call yes. old souls. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's well, true. We learned, um, yeah, that was probably four years ago. We learned, someone taught me. And so Katie and I went to a homeschool conference down in Los Angeles area several years ago. And it, it was in a really great location, Ontario, right by the airport at the convention center. There's a huge outlet mall across the highway. So my husband said, oh, you girls, you just have fun. You enjoy yourselves. You can 
after your conference, go to the mall, go out <laughs> for dinner. But what we wanted to do was put on our pajamas and sit in our hotel room intact. And so that's what we did. This is like very different from the homeschool conference that we went drinking. Oh. <laughs> when we went out for lunch. And <laughs> dinner, dinner at the martini bar. Yes, oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, you know, this is different. <laughs> this was different. We we sat and tatted, and Katie, one of us made a bookmark, and one yeah. of us made a doily, yeah. because the we went to a seminar. There was a lady talking about the arts and how we need to bring back the arts to our children's lives: music, flowers, fine art. Okay, the and then she said, that. "Yeah, the, the yes, yeah." Uh, she said something about doilies, bring the doilies back into the home. And we went, because oh, here we brought our tatting. I think we, we always <laughs> grab each other when we hear things like this. <gasps> and she was so speaking we, our language. <laughs> she was. So we went back to our room and tatted in our jammies. And then we brought those to her as gifts the next day at her Aww. table because she had a, she was a vendor too. She had curriculum. Yeah. So anyway, that's that. what we did at our homeschool conference. We are little old ladies. We we got wild. I mean, that was, that was a <laughs> wild night. Of we stayed up late finishing those. I mean, it was that's that crazy. that is wild for Katie. Wild. Not so much Jenny. <laughs> But, up late. Yeah. Yeah. but for Katie, like past nine o'clock, if she's yes. up tatting, then this is wild. That was, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it but just, her reaction was so, oh. wasn't it so special, Jenny? I think yes. that the fact that we are wanting to cultivate that, that, that yes. it's not dying, that there, there are people who see the, the value and the, um, the purpose to creating beauty because I think a lot of times beauty can just be scuffed off as not necessary, indulgent, yes. um, unimportant, a waste of your time. You got to do the practical things. You got to do this and this and this and check boxes. And mm -hmm. there's a place for that, but there is a very important place for beauty in your soul. Like you need to recognize, like Jenny was saying, that oh. side of God and who he is. Yes. You can't ignore it. It reflects and, him. Yes. And when you bring it in, when you let it into your heart and it, it exudes, he exudes out of you when you're creating beautiful things. I have just seen so many people's reactions just being touched deep, deep down because the, somebody else is recognizing the purpose and the importance of beauty and offering it as a gift. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it is a gift. Yeah. And it's so healing too, because it, it reminds me of a quote that I read in that book, um, uh, Mother Culture, Karen Andriola. Oh, yeah. Last year, she said, um, it was a quote about a pioneer woman. I make my quilts quickly to keep my kids from freezing. I make them beautiful to keep my heart from breaking. Oh. I love that. So yeah. that's what beauty does. It's so healing. She didn't yeah. need to embellish it. It, for her kids to be warm, but her heart needed to do that because it's a hard time. Mm -hmm. So when, when times are hard, we need to get out our needle and thread or yeah. some handcraft, make yeah. something beautiful. I, I would say, oh, who needs a doily? But then the more I think about it, I would say we all do. We need to have things around us that are beautiful just because that's, the, that's its purpose. It's just to be beautiful. And to point us to God who creates beautiful things. That's healing. Well, and I think much the same way 
that like you were talking about how an orderly space makes us feel more at home and it makes us be able to be settled. You know, I think that it's the same way with beauty. It was just like when I moved into my house, it's been a year now, which is crazy. Oh, wow. But when I moved in here, I knew that like by the time I wanted my kids to get here, I wanted things up on their walls. And I wanted, Mm -hmm. I knew that if they just moved in here and it was kind of an empty shell, that it wouldn't feel like home. It was the beauty step that made it feel like home more than the organization, more than any of the other things. It was having the pictures up on the walls and the, the little things around that I had specifically chosen to have in our home to make it feel like home. That is what made it feel that way. That is what made us be able to let out that breath that we'd been holding for two years. Mm. You know, it was, it was the beauty step that makes it feel like a space where you can relax. And I think that we have to, we have to acknowledge that beauty is powerful in a way that we don't necessarily want to give credence to it. I know. And when I think about David, the psalmist in, I think it's Psalm 27, he writes about being afraid, afraid of his enemies, afraid of darkness around him. And maybe um, for the middle of the chapter, maybe verse four, he says um, that the one thing he desires is to go into the temple to behold the beauty of the Lord. He didn't want to do anything, but just go in there and look at the beauty, that, mm. that which was the Lord. But he desired beauty. And when we're afraid, this is a good place for us to go to when we're afraid of the darkness around us, when we have enemies, just sit and, and look at Jesus. Or create something beautiful and let it point you back to Jesus. Um, another one of my favorite verses is Colossians um, 3.10. It tells us to put on our new nature and be renewed as we know our creator and become like him. And we can be renewed by looking at not just at God, but God as, as creator. Mm-hmm. And we become like him in that. So there's there so much healing and just beholding beauty. I love that you said the word beholding because that's, I've just, I think that's what beauty does. And I like to decorate my house in a way where there's mm-hmm. always something to behold that's beautiful yes. wherever you look, because I want that to do its, its work. It does yes. a work in your heart that you can't conversation out. You can't you can't pull that really. It's something that God does. That's very personal. We've Mm -hmm. all experienced that in some way, if we're honest, like with a sunset or with something where, you know, you are small and God is big. And I think, I think beauty can take us to that place. It prevents a callous being over your heart. It, Mm -hmm. when there's beauty there, God can penetrate with these deep truths and and making sure that you're always surrounded and even in just small ways and personal ways it doesn't have to be um a home out of you know Martha Stewart living that that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about just small things that are personal to the people who live here we all consider beauty differently and I have a lot of guys in my house but the things (laughs) that I consider beautiful are not what I would choose but I know what they are and I want to make sure they're there and it usually has to do with 
just that intention makes them feel loved. You know, it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to look perfect. That's not what we're talking about is adding a burden to yourself. It's, uh, it's humility. It's just acknowledging Mm -hmm. you do not have the answers and God does. And, and, putting mm. in practice the the holy literally the holy practice of beholding of stopping to notice and being captivated yes mm-hmm. the Which wonder you're captured you, yeah. you can't do anything but stare like <gasps> you're almost caught off guard um you know what i have four teenagers in my house and i would say that they don't always appreciate all the things i have the lamps on not overhead lights but the lamps a candle burning Um, The house smells like good food. They might not notice any of those things sitting in the room, but when it's not there, they notice. Yes, that's what I was just going to say. Like Ah. when someone uses like, you don't notice when somebody is using good grammar, but when they use bad grammar, it's like, ah. It hurts your ears. Yeah. Yeah. And so you don't, it's not necessarily when it's all there that you you pay attention, you sit up and you notice, but when it's not there, then yes. you feel the absence of it. Yes. So Katie, all the men in your house might not notice what you're doing, but they would notice if you weren't doing it. it it's yeah. very interesting the effect it has on people. They might not appreciate what you think is beautiful, but they do in a way because it makes home. They, they love that. Um, mm-hmm. When I have Katie's family in my home, I, I love how her boys notice things that I do. Oh, my mom does that. Mm. And I think that's really sweet. I wonder if they've ever said to her, mom, I love it when you do this. But mm. the fact that they've told me, my mom does that. And it's in an endearing tone. I yeah. thought, oh, they notice and they appreciate it because that's yeah. a boy noticing something. <laughs> a I teenage love that. boy. And that really takes me back to something, Mackenzie, we talked about before about like what you can control. And in this Mm -hmm. time, in these very uncertain times, the only things you really can control are your attitude in your like and it's not for being appreciated if if it's tied to that you're going to be hurt and you're going to grow resistant and you're going to be off put by the fact that people aren't noticing that's not why we're doing this we're doing this because you want to take the people in your home to a deeper place and Mm -hmm. setting beauty in front of them allows beauty to do its own work and allowing the peace to be low enough that they can take it in. You know, if they're just rushing through, they don't have time to notice those, those little pockets of loveliness. But if you're doing it as a reflection of your relationship with God and um, doing the hard work that he's, he's entrusted you with, and you're honoring it, that is beautiful. That loaf is beautiful. Those flowers you've grown are beautiful. Mm -hmm. The, the different, those things become beauty when you're, Mm -hmm. when you're taking care of them. Yeah. And it makes them matter. Even I think more so in times like these, we have to cling to those little things that we can control our attitudes, being diligent about what we're working on, you know, and that is where we can find the hope and the joy in what is to come. Yeah. 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 The atmosphere of our home is up to us. And if our attitudes are rightly centered around God and we're putting into practice holy habits, the atmosphere of your home changes and it becomes something that honors God and everyone who comes in can feel it. Like Jenny's saying, you can feel it before you even notice it. You feel Mm -hmm. it. You know that this is something I'm going to take notice of. And like you were saying, Mackenzie, with decorating your kids' 
walls. And I think we all instinctively know this, but do we stop to ask yourself why? Why does that matter? Why do I want to put that up? And it's taking yourself to those deeper places of, can I just put anything up on the wall or should it be something personalized? Should it be something that means something that person? Why? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. if, if you just put yourself deeper and really Mm -hmm. reflect on it, you come to those truths. They're there. They're ready for us. God's ready to walk us through this. You know, it's just a matter of noticing. Yeah. And being willing to take the time to let those things flesh out instead of just freeing through it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jenny, I'm afraid when we say tatting, people might not even know it's a dying art. It's not something people are familiar with. I hope there's a way to share like a picture of one of your doilies or the bookmarks because it's so beautiful and I think that would be really cool. And you have a Dahlia pattern, right? Which kind of ties into like, most of these patterns are flower. What's the the adjective? Flowery? Flowery? Yeah. (laughs) Flower in nature? Yes. Floral? (laughs) Floral. And and there's a reason for that, you know, why that is so becoming, why that speaks to like our hearts. Mm -hmm. There's something about the way God designed flowers. Um, When I decorate a cake, I'm going to make sure there's flowers, um, rosebud or some kind of a design when I'm piping because it's beautiful. (laughs) Like it just Hmm. intuitively is. Yeah. And the patterns of flowers are are very mathematical, uh, very satisfying to tat a flower because it's just, it's, to me, it's very satisfying. It's predictable yeah. and there's a pattern to follow and then you have beauty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that was very much, it came up when Becca was talking about it on last week's show and like the, the math and the science behind flowers and nature and how we mm-hmm. find these patterns in nature and they are calming. Like there's actual science behind why that is calming to your senses. Yes. To have oh, that predictability yeah. and that flow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, girls, this was so good. I knew it would be. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Thank you for coming on today. It just, it means so much to be able to like sit the three of us and have a conversation and a meaningful one and then be able to share it with the world because I think we need these habits. We need beauty right now. And we just hope that all of you listening, whether you find it in sourdough and flowers and tatting or your own thing, like we hope that it's just an encouragement to you to be diligent in the small things in these times and to value beauty, cling to it because it will be a lifeline for you. And there will be bigger lessons that you will learn from doing these small things than you probably even realize right now Mm. so yes amen yeah thank you guys okay thank you you soon okay Okay. (laughs) see aren't they both sweet and lovely and encouraging i just felt like it was such a heartfelt message and episode. I hope that you felt the same way. If you would like links to anything that we have talked about today, you can go to boldturquoise.com slash 162. And you can also just scroll up in whatever podcasting app that you're using. And if you're in your podcasting app, if you wanted to go over to iTunes and leave a little rating and review for us, last time I checked, we were at 499 ratings and reviews. We just need one more to hit 500. So 
you could be that amazing person that pushes us over the edge. And I would so appreciate it. Thank you to all of you who share the podcast and talk about it. And thank you to all of our brand new subscribers in Patreon. We have so many lovely ladies who have been joining cultivating groups. We actually have themes for our groups this quarter. And so we have flower therapy groups and we have ones that just discuss the podcast and our daily shows. It's so much fun. You can get over in Patreon for just $3 for the whole month. Or if you're at our $5 level, we are still running that deal where you get all of the benefits up to our loveliest level. So you get to be in the cultivating groups and part of our book clubs. We have two book clubs going on right now. We're reading Persuasion and we're doing a group study of Adore by Sarah Haggerty. And that is actually led by my good friend, Shell Bruises, who you hear on here all the time. It is so much fun. We are really bonding and having community during this time. And I, for one, am so grateful for it. So if you would like to be a part of amazing community of ladies online during this crazy quarantine, come and join us for this $5 deal. Just sign up at the $5 level and you will get all the things through the loveliest level. It's going to be a blast and we would love to have you. Okay, that's it until next week's episode, ladies. Until then, stay at home and be bold and gracious.